Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 72nd edition of the Rider Rumblings Video Podcast. Uh, to my left is uh, Murray McCormick, uh, wearing his Montreal Expos cap in commemoration of the sort of Expos, Washington sort of. Nationals advancing to the World Series. I, so yeah. we'll delve into that later. Long live Steve Rogers. Yes. Um, this is the 72nd podcast. I started cheering for the Expos in 1972, actually. So uh, there's the number 72 is topical there. Uh, former Ryder tight end Jim Warden, member of the Riders' first Grey Cup winning team, scored the Riders' first touchdown in the 66 Grey Cup. Uh, number 72, Cleveland Van, who was named the yeah. most outstanding defensive player in the 1976 Grey Cup, had, if not for the Tony Gabriel catch. Probably the most outstanding player in the game, either him or Ron Lancaster. And he's still around Regina. Great man, Great man. Cleveland Van. And uh, 72, Colin Scrivener, former Ryder defensive <laughs> lineman. One of the great interviews he was funny. ever. I absolutely, there was no filter and he was he was awesome yeah. to talk to. A uh, few things to uh, talk about uh, today. Um, I'd like to start off uh, by uh, honoring and paying tribute to Gord Stasison, a former Ryder president, a member of the Ryder's Plaza of Honor, a uh, member of the Order of Canada. Saskatchewan Order of Merit. I'm not sure how many people have ever done more for a city than Gord Stasison uh, did for Regina over 93 years. He, he passed away on Saturday. Uh, just, uh, I wrote in my column, he did so much. I, he lived for 93 years, and I'm not sure how he had enough time to do exactly, yes. everything he did. What an, an inexhaustible, indispensable, great man. Uh, what are your recollections of uh, Gord, Mer? My recollections are more of the golfing Gord, which I don't think people know a lot about. There's a called a tournament at the Wascana Country Club called the, the James Tyre Invitation, which was devoted just to junior players. And it turned out to be one of the biggest tournaments of the year for juniors. Gord made sure every kid was treated first class. They had to dress properly. They were had he influenced so many young people that played in that tournament, and we, the Leader Post covered it like a major tournament every week, every year, and uh, Shannon McGeady, who uh, just was inducted into the Regina Sports Hall of Fame on Saturday, mentioned how much of an impact that uh, Gord Stasis had her. She was she was an outstanding young golfer, female golfer. Now she's a professional golfer, and yeah, it was it was so kind of weird. I know Shannon talked in her acceptance speech on Saturday night how much of an influence Gord had in her life. And then I get up in the morning, and on Twitter, he's he, he's died. So, yeah, he he's, he's I hate to say it, like like all guys who were good at what he could do, he could be a pain though. Like he wouldn't back off. Like the golf, the, I mean, I, I hate to say this about the golf. That's what happens when you get things done, as exactly. Gord Stasis and did for ninety three years. Like he, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't mean the pain in the bad sense, but you know what you know what he I mean? He was persistent, persistent. He'd and say, "Cover if he this." Wanted something done, it got done. Yeah, exactly. And I, I and when you list his accomplishments, I, I don't think there's anybody in the city that's done all. I this can't thing. think of it. I I just I wrote the obituary and I did a column on him as well. And and you're going through this scroll of things that he did, and if you even pick one of them. Yeah. And say, this man's had an extraordinary career. Look, he did this. Well, this man had an extraordinary career, an extraordinary life, and he did this, 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 this. And then there were things that you had to leave out because there just wasn't space. Exactly. I mean, it just, what an extraordinary man and what, what an extraordinary life. And I want to make sure that, uh, exactly. that and we I, uh, honor Gordon today. Of the many honors he received during his life. And it always kind of makes you think when you're reading through all this stuff, says, what have I done lately? And, you know, we're not even close to doing, to, to touching what he's done. And maybe it makes us kind of look at what we do. Maybe we should be more involved in the community and 
doing that kind of stuff, being that selflessness and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's a big loss. I, I don't think people of the generation now really realize what he did. And I, I think, don't think so. I think your column and your story did a good idea of bringing him forward and what he's done. And my condolences to their family. I don't remember his family that well, but I do know that Gord was. And, and I, I go back in the golf world was very impactful. And I think not overlooking what he did in the Ryder world, but. Well, Gord was president of the team in 19, first year was 1979. That was the year that Ryder Pride was launched. Yeah. Uh, and people yes. still talk about Ryder Pride, and a lot of that is Gord Stasison. If you look at Gaynor the Gopher, <laughs> Gord Stasison played a role in the formation of Gaynor the Gopher. Gord played a role in the formation of the Plaza of Honor, and of course he ended up being inducted into it. He yeah. was among the, he was part of the seventh Plaza of Honor class. Etc. I mean, we could consume the entire podcast talking exactly. about Gord Stasison because this—it's uh, just amazing. He just hockey, golf. I know I, I everything. Yeah. Just a great man. Do you want to talk a little football? You don't want to keep going promoting? You want to talk about your book? Well, let's talk football. I'll flog my book, which is now out. A hundred uh, things rough riders fans should know and do before they die. Uh, How many things are there? Uh, actually, there's about 120. There's 100, 100, cha- 100 chapters and about 20 little sidebars. Oh, because you couldn't and, limit and ten, yourself ten to 100, fo- could no, you, they, Rob? They wanted, they wanted little color sidebars to accompany oh. the chapters. How long did it take you to write that? Uh, about started it in spring of 2018, and the, the manuscript was due on February 1st of this year. And I hit the deadline right on the nose, and I was able to make revisions. The, the, rain, the, the storm game in Montreal? Yep. Um, I, I'd had a reference in there to a, to the to the 1954 game that was shortened in BC uh, due to uh, fog, and uh, and so the, the Montreal game happens, and I wanted to see if I could include that because it had some relevance to what was already in the book, and the and the publisher was able to get that in uh, about two days before deadline. Awesome. So the, it's updated as of August. So I thought the final revision would be John Ryan signing with the Rough Riders, but uh, it's current through August. Well, I got a copy of the publisher's book the book in my mail today and it's how's that new book smell and i have to admit i don't handle books very often anymore it's uh you know it's all ipads and you know kindles and those kind of things so it's i'm looking forward to uh, reading it in vancouver this weekend if i don't get it to this weekend it'll be sooner or later your name is in there i'll try to read 120 writer things (laughs) anyway let's talk Um, some football football um i want to dive into this for a column later in the week um could Cody Fajardo end up being named the most outstanding player in the West Division and, and possibly the league? Uh, this has only happened five, four times in Ryder history, two by Ron Lancaster, uh, one by Kerry Joseph, one by George Reed. I'm not, I'm not sure Cody Fajardo was the front runner, but if a few things land the right way. Why wouldn't he be the front runner? If you look, you look right now with all the quarterbacks that are active – like of the top ones, Mike Riley and Trevor Harris are the only two guys ahead of him in passing yardage right now, and Cody's third. So he's the only guy left playing. Is Trevor Harris going to come back? Probably. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't really, doesn't like, Andrew Harris has kind of out of the running in my mind. That's the yeah. interesting one. The, the, what happens in Winnipeg will yeah. dictate who is the most outstanding player in the West, I think. If, if Andrew Harris, if people – choose to disregard the suspension and i'm not saying they should or shouldn't but that's up to the voters in winnipeg if they put forth the andrew harris name um he's had a formidable year 1200 yards rushing nearly 500 yards receiving and he's missed two games the how much how much weight do you attach to his production as opposed to he has missed two games does willie jefferson come out of winnipeg or does andrew harris that will kind of drive where it goes in the west um as far as the east 
I was thinking it was Brandon Banks or Vernon Adams Jr. Yeah. It's probably Brandon Banks now. Brandon uh, Banks, but yes. you're not looking at somebody who's having a really dominant type of year unless you decide that Andrew Harris is the guy. Yeah. And what happens in Winnipeg will drive that. But Cody Fajardo, the kind of season he has had, uh, there's he's got to be in the conversation he in, does, the, in the West and overall, doesn't he? I meant to look at how many touchdowns has he thrown now? 15. 15 and interceptions is seven, eight, seven or eight. Seven or eight. He's got the longest touchdown pass of the year, 98 yards. You look, you look in the stats, and a lot of, they highlight this, the leading guys with black numbers. He's got black numbers. And I think yeah, you have to consider where the Riders would be without him. Yep. Like, I don't know, like Mike Riley, regardless, the Blue Bombers, uh, sorry, the Lions didn't make the playoffs. Yep. Unfortunately, and I hated to say it, Mike Riley may have and has survived 400 sacks. Yeah, but, but he wasn't going to win that. He wasn't going to win. Yeah, Trevor Harris forget. has been hurt. Trevor Harris has been hurt all along. And, you know, he'd come back. He has a good season, but nothing really. And you're, Brian Burnham, having an amazing year. You know, over I think he hit 1,600 yards in passing. Yeah, he's, he'll be there. He'll be the most outstanding player in BC. But, but not in the, didn't in the make division. the playoffs, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. I realize, And he'd probably agree to that, too. Uh, Calgary, Reggie Calgary, Bangleton. Reggie Bangleton. But... You know, did he have as big of an impact on the Stampeders as Cody has had? No, that's what we'd have to think about. And in my mind, I th- I think he's a lock for the Riders. Absolutely. Yeah. Charleston uh, Hughes has gone two games without a sack, yeah. and Charl- which probably yeah. means he gets four this weekend. Yeah, he'll but eat against other, BC. Yeah, I think you know it's hard to not. But Charleston has his in defensive player, so he can get his. He'll probably get the defensive player regardless. I don't think there's anybody on. You know, everyone else is kind of early Derek in the Moncrief. year. I thought Derek Moncrief might have, but, might and be not up, saying that Derek Moncrief has tailed off, but he hasn't stood up, kicked it up another notch. And no. then how much? It's Charleston to, Hughes. It's Charleston and Hughes, and probably in the league. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's Willie Jefferson. I Willie Jefferson is so impactful that like you can't say you can't take him when he he's had a couple of quiet games, and then he has a game like he did last week, yeah. and he just owned the t- other teams. And you got to this man's about to lead the league in sacks for the fourth consecutive year, and he's yeah. thirty five years old. I mean, honestly, if, it's, if for no other reason, give it to him for his lifetime achievement award. What, right. what an amazing year he's so had. Maybe on Cody, we can go back. What's the reason why he shouldn't get it? Maybe that's, you know, we, we can list all of the things he's accomplished. What hasn't he accomplished? And I don't think there's anything, there's no box he hasn't checked. He's a leader. He's a he's fun to watch. He's, where would the team be without him? Where would the team, and all these things. So in my mind, he probably is that. And to be honest, I hope he is and I hope he wins because I think it might be one of the more entertaining acceptance speeches. Well, wouldn't that be amazing? We've heard in a while and we're going to see a little sprinkle. We're going to hear a little sprinkling with, with Jesus and that kind of stuff. And, I know he'd be humble. He'd be. Uh, it would be the most perfectly crafted, endearing acceptance speech of all time. Yeah. So, but how much impact do these last three games have on it? You know, like the way their schedule is, it they could, kind. I know they can still he's got get an opportunity first. to light it to put up to push his yes. staffs up now too. They can kind of still get first place. Like it's not dead, but it's you know we can see the Calgary losing in Calgary was a big one. That was. You know, they came back, they almost came back, almost pulled it out. But I, I think that kind of gives Calgary the edge regardless. I don't unless Winnipeg helps them out. And does Winnipeg I, I ever, wouldn't bet against them. This is a Winnipeg team that's still still a pretty good football team. Yes. So uh, winning a home and home is tough. Yeah. And that's what Winnipeg and Calgary have coming up. So I wouldn't totally disqualify yeah. Winnipeg from winning one of those games and then 
riders, there's every reason to think they should win their final three. Yes, they should. So, and that does that help the Cody the Fajardo board. candidacy? You look at where the riders would be without Cody Fajardo, and you're talking maybe a five or six win season. Yeah. You look at where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would be without Andrew Harris. Well, they were without him for two games. They split those two games, uh, led uh, led the first game with three minutes left. And Johnny Augustine, his replacement, had a 50-plus yard gain in each of those yeah. two games. And they haven't exactly lit it up since Andrew Harris came back. So, uh, But where would the Riders be without Cody Fajardo? Um, I don't think you're counting on a home playoff game on November 10th yeah. or 17th. I know, and... And I don't think I think that's exactly. I think where would they be without him? And I think that's a big point. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Zach Claris was throwing the ball yesterday for the for the Blue Bombers out there, and he's saying all the same things he said here. So maybe that they got a backup quarterback that'll guide them through all of this. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Uh, I um, yeah, just wanted to just quickly. How about we run down the other ones? Who's a Canadian in your mind? I think it's uh, Cameron Judge. Yeah, it's got to be Cameron Judge. Uh, Lyman is my mind is Dan Clark. Dan Clark is or best. Dan Clark kicked both Canadian and Lyman. I don't think that would be a, a stretch, but I think Cameron, Cameron Judge, Judge I think gets, gets gets that. Special teams is one. I know it's not John John Ryan's had the season that's. 12 singles is a lot of singles. I think the net punting average sixth in the league is a is a, is a telling stat that kind of but nobody else on the special teams has really done much other than no. just a couple couple of the uh the guys who are great. Their return special. game is complete. Uh, Marcus yeah. Tigpen showed some has shown some flashes the last couple of games but their yeah. return game has so been So it's got to be John Ryan. Ryan. It's got to be John. He could set a league record for punting average yeah. this year. He's it, at 50.4 right now in the league record which he set as I think at 50.56 or 50.57. So he he could, uh, and he, he could, he could, he could, he could, he's going to set the Riders' single season punting average record for sure. So is that worth, but. And who else is there? I know. Who else is there? Uh, we also forgot rookie, and I think it's going to be Dakota Shepley. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's a, a real debate. I don't think there's another rookie on the team that, that's done what he's done. And, he, you know, even though he's kind of been pushed back to six offensive linemen now, he's still going to be. Uh, He's still been a formidable force and everything they expected him to be. And he's ground for two more years. And what would they have done without him? Exactly. When he was, uh, I mean, they were in such, left in the lurch so early due to injuries. And the way he, he played and he, the way he has played, I think that's a Well, that, that's, that's another an thing with the MOP vote. Who else besides Cody and Charleston is there? There really isn't anybody who you say, oh, yeah, that's the other guy that should be in the discussion. Chuck Evans. Shaq Evans. Shaq Evans has got to be yeah, he's part of be. that, dis- so that that's discussion. Them, but but he's, not, he's not He's part of the discussion. He's not included in those top two guys when you're thinking about him. And I and I know, I think he should have caught that ball on Saturday, on Friday against the Stampeders. We watched it many, many times. If he's the best receiver in the league. Well, what should he have? I've watched I don't that know what over and over done. and over. Like, did he, it was, did he slow it was up? said that he slowed up. I, I watched that. At least ten times so late Friday night, early Saturday morning. I don't see where he slowed up. I know I don't. See if that. he did, it was imperceptible. Maybe he should just lay it out. But I don't know how you. Not saying as a guy, I don't even know how to lay out on the couch properly to make that catch to sell out his whole body to give up his body to make that catch. In you, they don't think of that with the overall pitch because you know we've talked about what that catch would have meant if he gets that touchdown on that yeah. first play, and. And they end up getting a single, a single, and a sack, and a sack. Cody, you know, the sack was a was kind of on. Cody takes all the well, sacks on. Thaddeus Coleman got beaten yeah. on the play. Cody is and then, then they get himself, a single. That was Thaddeus Coleman getting beaten? And it's a kind of those one of those singles in that John gives up. That it's I know it's kind of tough. He's got to put it. He's got to put it out in the corner. Try to. Do, I'm not saying it's as easy to do. 
but we all say it looks easy. Guys coughing corner kicks all the time, but it was a shorter punt. And, but anyway. At least I got a point out of that possession. That was a good point, yeah. <laughs> That's a At least nice there was point. something to show for it. They right. started off so well. Marcus Thigpen bobbles the opening kickoff and ends up with a 38-yard return. Yeah. William Powell for nine. William Powell for nine. They're absolutely cruising. Oh, I thought it was And then of... you've got a receiver wide open uh, against a defender who's one of the league's best. And just a perfect call, perfect time, everything. Cody Fajardo said that he missed them by inches and put it on him for that... missing the throw, as, he, as Cody Fajardo is always going to do. But uh, that's that's just a basic throw that Cody Fajardo is, should make and will make most of the time. He wasn't under pressure either. No, I mean, was... they had, they had uh, max protection in. I mean, yeah. he had all sorts of time. The route was perfect. The call was perfect. And then, I still don't know how Trey Robinson ended up with a concussion on that play. I looked like he. I thought he'd twisted his ankle or got his feet caught up. But losing Trey Robinson, Roberson, a, Roberson, sorry, I, I pronounced it that way in my head. Losing him is a big loss. Like he's an outstanding DB, and he's one of the guys that picks. And he's had two picks against the Riders back on July sixth. So he's that's a big loss for that for that kind of position. But also. You know, we talked about, it. and then that kickoff, which I've watched again and again, and I don't think we're giving enough credit to Calgary for that ball bouncing. The placement of that kick was perfect. I mean, it was the wedge. The wedge guys were preparing to be the wedge guys, yeah. and the and the returners couldn't get up to the ball in time. I'm not sure you can fault Marcus Thigpen. He he hustles to the ball and then takes a weird bounce. And then but he put his it. hand out. Yeah. yeah, and that's when the ball hit his hand. And the CFL, but if you actually, don't, you know, if you don't try and touch the ball, you know the Calgary's coming in full yeah. board trying to get it anyway. So I, I don't know how you fault Marcus Thigpen on that. Um, they just and the CFL absolutely and actually changed the ruling on that that it wasn't a fumble; it was more of a, an onside kick. I think is what the wording of it is. I'm not. And from my angle in the press box and everything I saw on the film, I didn't look. I didn't see Thigpen putting his arm out. I really didn't. I thought Thigpen had mishandled, muffed it again. So I owe Marcus Sigpen an apology that it wasn't his fault. It was a great play on special teams, and I think sometimes we always are our green-colored glasses a little bit with the Riders, and maybe Stampeders deserve credit for they They've always had good special teams, and that was a good play that I don't know if they did it on purpose, but it sure played out yeah, to them. The Riders could have just accepted the – should have just could have just taken the ball in the 35 as opposed yeah. to accepting the kickoff there. I know, that was weird. But – Marcus Thigpen had such a good return. And I heard yeah. some people blaming the Riders for not just taking the ball. But if you look at that first kickoff return by Marcus Thigpen that yeah. put the Riders in great field position right off the start, why wouldn't you accept the kickoff again after that? Because you've got some signs of life from your yeah. from your special teams. And it's a nice return by Marcus Thigpen. So, um, yeah, I just – that was just a bad break. I, I've watched that play over and over. I'm just not sure how you blame anybody for it. Yeah. It was a – Fortuitous bounce and a perfect, perfectly well, executed play by the Stampeders. It all fits into the theme of missed opportunities with them. Yeah. The Riders had an opportunity to go in and beat the Stampeders. They come up a couple points short because that was huge. Uh, Brett Lather misses, hits on off the goalposts. A missed opportunity. Shaq Evans, Shaq Evans, a missed opportunity. Um, I, I don't think we're going to call this. The first half really bugged oh, me. That was just, I'm still scratching my head going, end zone, end zone, end zone. They're on the, they're, they're <laughs> on the 13 yard line yeah. with 11 seconds left. So you've got time for one shot at the end zone before you bring in the, before, if you, if you want to just take your points. This, uh, if you take your one shot at the end zone and then it comes down to, okay, do you gamble here if it's unsuccessful or do you, do you settle for the field goal and they settle for the field goal? But, so they're on the, they're on the 13 yard line. They've got 11 seconds left. 
So that's your that's your opportunity to take a shot at the end zone. And they have one receiver, Shaq Evans on the left, running a quick post. Mm-hmm. Um, two receivers are on the ten yard line, and one receiver is on the eleven yard line. And and Naaman Roosevelt catches the ball on the five and is down at the four. And Shaq Evans is in the end zone. How do you only have one receiver going to the end zone in that situation when you've got to take your shot? Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible play call there. Uh, you know, you just initially you think, well, why didn't Cody Fajardo go to the end zone? Well, he only had one option in the end yeah. zone and, tra- and it looked like Shaq Evans was covered. How do you not have multiple receivers in the end zone in that situation? Situationally, that was just horribly handled by the Rough Riders. And they, didn't, they didn't give themselves a chance to go for seven there. Yeah. They ended up settling for the 12-yard Brett Lauder field goal. So yeah. that was a huge, huge blown opportunity. In a game that they lose by two points, they didn't take a shot at the end but zone even- and settled for three instead of getting seven. This is another one. How about Calgary running the clock out at the end of the game? What did they get the ball with? Four forty, fifty to go. Less than that. Less than that. But it was it was a substantial bit of time. There was an easy time to come you back. Know, even if Calgary gets a first down and then you stop them, the yeah. Riders would have had decent time considering all. And they, they couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop them. Derek Moncrief misses a tackle on a Canadian running back that should not be running wild on the Rough Riders the yeah. way he did, and uh, they just can't make the stop. And, they they, just and there was no pressure. No, there's no pressure. But the thing is, and you watch it too, and I noticed this, they seem to be dropping back deeply. Like there there was, and well, Levi Mitchell is going to kill you with those intermediate passes, and their receivers are going to kill you with yards after the catch. And how many times did Begleton have one over the middle? Adams and all those guys had all these little short, not shortish, and then they turned them into a big gain. And that's, I was watching that. I thought, I kept telling you, why not play aggressively? Pressure, pressure, pressure. Bring on the guys. Maybe not having Cameron Judge on the roster was a bigger deal than we thought. Yeah, like Cameron Judge is having an amazing season, and nothing against Micah Tights and Sam Hurl, but they're no Cameron Judge, and maybe that made a bigger difference than we really thought. You know, I, I, whatever they tried against Bo Levi Mitchell didn't work. The first three plays of the game, they sent seven pass rushers, and mm-hmm. the Stamps just got rid of the ball really quickly, yeah. bang, 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 and and just three quick completions. And after that. There was virtually no inclination to send even six. They were they were more apt to rush with three than than to send pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they did send pressure, it really didn't work. When they didn't send pressure, save for the interception return for a touchdown by Nick Marshall, the Riders rushed, rushed three on that play. Yeah. But if they also rushed three on the play where Calgary got their second receiving touchdown, receivers wide open, and there was supposedly nine guys in coverage, and he's still all by himself at the goal line. So. Whatever they tried, save for one play, didn't work. When they tried to exert pressure, the Stampeders got rid of the ball quickly or blocked it up. When they didn't, uh, when they didn't exert pressure, he had all day to pick the secondary apart. Whatever they tried, didn't work. You look back to Chris Jones, and Chris Jones, for the most part, had Bo Levi Mitchell off balance. Yep. And uh, you know, over Chris Jones's last five games coaching against Calgary, the Rough Riders won three of them. And one of the ones they lost was a 15-9 game here last year, and Calgary didn't even score an offensive touchdown. So Chris Jones had a pretty good read on Bo Levi Mitchell. I don't think the Rough Riders currently have that. Mm -hmm. They've got one more game potentially against Calgary to figure him out. But the first two games against Calgary this year, whether it's Nick Arbuckle or Bo Levi Mitchell, they haven't. Calgary's thrown only nine incompletions against the Riders in two games. So can they figure out Bo Levi Mitchell? They've got one more shot at it. Yes, and I think they're going to have to go through Calgary. Regardless of what happens, it's going to take a game from Calgary to get to the Great Cup. 
and they're going to have to figure that out, and hopefully they can. Kind of like Bolivia Mitchell. I like kind of his comments at halftime, at least entertaining. Yeah, you know, like at least he said something, and you know, people were an all interesting halftime interview. That's yeah. uh, that's tough. As, as great as the interviewers are, yeah, great you questions, know, horrible answers. You know, no Claire Hanna is great. Sarah Oleski is great. The people who do the interviews, who ask the questions, are terrific. But very seldom do you elicit anything interesting from the athletes. But Bolivia yeah. Bolivia Mitchell will always have something interesting to say. Yeah, and that's good for the league. I think it's handy to have him around to just. Uh, People are going. To, people in the right world hate him, and that's fine. He loves being a villain. He absolutely loves it. Yeah, that's why I like and, wrestling. There's villains. Yeah, but what why did he call the time? Why did they call the time? I didn't get really get a handle on this, but Calgary called a timeout with two seconds left in the game. Why? I think they had too many guys on the field. I'm guessing that would never happen in Calgary. No, never, never. <laughs> I, but I'm wondering if Sorry. that. Sorry, I know that was a Click, weird. Nice, but, nice to see it today. Yeah, I'm guessing at that. I know that was two minutes left. It's like two seconds left in the game. You know what I'm doing, writing. <laughs> So, yeah, that was a strange one. Uh, what do you think? Is it good for the CFL to have all six playoff teams determined by now? Is this a, is this good for the CFL to have three teams out of the picture with three games to go? There's really the no way to control it. Um, it's just the way the season evolves. It does render a lot of what happens pretty meaningless. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially, especially if it's Hamilton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does Hamilton is hosting the East final? Well, they kind of knew they were hosting these final back in Labor you know, Day almost. But, but now that it's official, it's just like you could put out the the 1967 Tiger Cats alumni and probably beat Ottawa. Yeah. But uh, like they're still jockeying for positions. I mean, that's except the East has decided. Yeah, the pecking order is what's interesting yeah. in the West. But it's still, and I just I still love watching. I'm still thinking, yeah, you know, it happens. The CFL one of the two teams usually end up being mediocre in the CFL, and there's another one. The third one is. I just don't know if it's – I don't know how you keep it interesting. I don't know how you you maintain some sort of comp- competitive level when things happen to teams like Ottawa losing all their guys in the offseason. You, you can see you Ottawa coming. It. You can't And you can see Toronto coming. So you can't control. But there was, I mean, the, the, at one point the league was being criticized, and I think justifiably so, for having no interlocking games toward the end of the year. So the yeah. league eliminated that. And you've got all – West Division and all East Division games down the stretch. It just so happens there isn't a lot to be decided as far as who's getting in, yeah, or anything to be decided as far as who's getting in. It's just who's who's hosting playoff games now. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I mean, it's it's not that big a deal here because it's still compelling. Riders yeah. have a chance to finish first. It's not as good a chance as it appeared to be a week ago, but I wouldn't discount the likelihood of it happening because yeah. who knows? Winnipeg is still in the mix and playing Calgary twice, so. Uh, that makes it interesting here, but if you're following the East Division, no, it's like been, just tune in again in you know, the yeah, first, uh, the second weekend in October, in November. There was another thing that came up a little bit of discussion with no games on Thanksgiving Monday for the first time since I don't know, was it '96 or seven or some? And I I've kind of been following it on Twitter, and I'm it's part of the thing is, and I this is just personally my own thoughts about it. They're trying to avoid the short the weeks. The short week. And if you want to avoid, and it's, so you may play on a Saturday, Monday to a Saturday, but it's still, you want to have everyone playing on, on a level playing field. And if you want to have everyone playing a Saturday, you can't really play on Thanksgiving. Not that, hey, I spent many a Thanksgiving on the road. And I'm not saying I, I, it's kind of a neat feeling to be on the road for a holiday like that. But I, I think because of the short weeks, and if the CFL is going to play a triple header on Saturdays, you can't have an extra game on Sunday, on, on Monday. So I think, that's part of the reasons they may go back to it, 
But as I wonder, how do you balance out things by having short weeks by playing again on a Thanksgiving Monday? And especially now that they're if they don't want to play on Sundays, yeah, you you you're unavoidably have the longest gap between games that you're going to have is five days, and that's really pushing it because you don't have that Sunday option the following weekend anymore. Right. So the, how do you go with the Thanksgiving Day game? Yeah, um, it would have been nice to see. Yeah, but. Uh, I just like it. Montreal. The logistics they serve, aren't there. Montreal serves a turkey dinner, <laughs> and I've had a couple of turkey dinners in Montreal for the press box, and it's been really good. I'm not saying that Marion doesn't cook an amazing turkey dinner, but there's something about sitting at an open a stadium with all the windows open and a little brisk, a little cool, and you're eating turkey that just makes it a, a very special day. And I, I miss it, but I understand it, and I think if the CFL went back to that format, we'd put up with it. But I think they've. They've made the right decision. I'm just glad the Riders don't have a Sunday game in Montreal this year. I always hated those. I hated the 11 a.m. starts. Those 11 a.m. starts, and they, oh. they weren't generally generally kind to the Rough Riders. We have some questions here, so I don't want, before I forget them, and as, as, as I've been known to do, um, I want to make sure I acknowledge the questions that we received from some readers. Mel Heidelbaugh has a question for us. Uh, hi, Rob. Lose to Calgary in the regular season, beat them in the playoffs. Calgary isn't good enough to beat us three times. Uh, that's the challenge. Can they? And especially if the game is here, that changes a lot. Uh, by the way, Rob, love the rumblings. My only complaint is that you should do more. More? Yeah, we should do more rider rumblings. So I'm glad there's a clamor for them. Thank you, Mel. Oh, yeah, and get a better backdrop. This is not what we really... Um, have in mind for our ideal backdrop we're undergoing renovations here at the leader post and uh, uh once we move into our new newsroom which should be soon we're going to have a dedicated podcast room and it will look much like it did i in, killed a bug with my book exactly <laughs> so 101 things to do with a writer book <laughs> it comes in handy if you don't like bugs um uh, where was i uh we're moving into our new uh room shortly and that will look like the old one with the pictures of ronnie and george and sandra schwirler and etc so i know we, we're we'll have a nicer background backdrop. we're getting towards the end i know we want to talk about your book i have a, i have a second question oh, i want sorry. to get to too um uh, pardon me just sing or something or yodel uh, here we go dave mclean has a question um my contention is that the statistic yards lost from penalties does not show the total magnitude of the infraction. For example, when there is a play where offensive holding is called on a pass play that picked up 35 yards, the impact is not just 10 yards, it's actually 45 yards. I am suggesting that consideration be given to a new statistic called potential large yards lost, or PYL, which would show the absolute impact of a penalty. That'd be cool. It'd be cool. And I'm, I wouldn't... Uh, Could we go way back to the day when uh, Gizmo Williams had how many punt returns called back? You know, you could, yeah. that remember how many he had. Like, they would always wonder, Gizmo Williams led the league, but how many did he have that were called back on holding and stuff? And does that... Do you encompass that yeah. too then? But, I mean, the 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 thing to remember in that stat is would the... Does he get... Whether it's Gizmo or anybody, do they get free if not for the infraction? I know. And you that's... Know, the, it's... it's the, there's almost the implication that the infraction might be unjust, whereas it's... Well, holding, do they complete that pass if it's not for the holding yeah. call? So but, I mean, run. it's in, be interesting to know how many touchdowns are wiped wiped, yeah. uh, wiped off. What really bothers... Not as bad as the uh, offside challenges in the National Football League. Yes, um, and that pants to the face, too. And I want to reiterate <laughs> my uh, adore, adoration for this book, 100 Things Rough Riders Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's by me, and... Uh, it's it'll be available. I know it's available right now at, at McNally Robinson in Saskatoon. It will be available soon in Regina bookstores. Also available online. So uh, 
What, would would it make a gift for something coming up? Would it make a nice this gift? This is the hucksterism in me that uh, I'm trying to conjure up because I'm not a born salesman. Uh, but uh, it does fit really nicely in a stocking. It's, uh, I know. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice size book. Christmas is December 25th. Are there, are there pictures in it too? There's 10 pictures. 10 pictures. And, uh, including one of Joy Walters. Just so. maybe one of the th- Oh, of course. Joy, but, uh, <laughs> Joy Walters is on page. Chapter 17 is Joy Walters. How did you so. end up with Dave Ridgway being the forward? I asked him to do it. That's very nice Dave, Dave. Dave had done the forward for my uh, 80, book on the 89 Grey Cup champions. So I, uh, knowing of his... Uh, well, we'll give you a free write, plug. We'll give it. you a free plug here of the 100 things you're supposed to do. As, what was the name of the title? Sorry, 100 things you're supposed to do. 100 things rider fans should know and do before they die. So what is one of you, what's your 100 thing, one out of the 100 things that you should do before the ride, know or do before they die? What would you pick? Oh, my goodness. Um, the The one that... I always and you can't pick Joey Walters. No, the the cool the one that they, that I think is really cool in there is go to a rider away game, and I, I, it's not something I haven't done, but going to a rider away game is one of the coolest things ever. And uh, uh, part of a lot of my childhood was spent going to rider away games, and uh, a lot of your adulthood has been spent going to rider away games, and it's it's a really magnificent thing to do so mm-hmm. i uh that that of all the things that rider fans should know and do if they haven't done it i talked to ron podbelski a dedicated rider fan about uh some of the away games that he'd been to and what it was like in invading and sometimes taking over uh foreign territory and it, uh that's that's one of the coolest things you can do and i, I would have because i remember going to ottawa recently when the lansdowne field was off lands when the td place was all fixed up and everything and there's full of rider fans and i really appreciated what the rider fans bring to you. They bring it to Calgary, but it happens all the time. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many Alberts, Saskatchewan's live in Alberta. It's, it's not all happening, but to see it happen in Ottawa, to see all the green and all the people there. And, and I remember, and I'll tell you, an away game for me was walking up at TD Place and probably half a dozen to a dozen sweaters, all with Rob Bag's name on the back. Because wow. he's from Kingston, which is only an hour outside of Toronto, of Ottawa. And that was... I went wow, and I went up and talked to his grandfather and his dad and all the bags. And that was that was a pretty cool moment to see that the all the bag sweaters there at the away game. And I go to all the stadiums, and it just seems to be that's the rider fans are there, and they make it a whole different world. Even I know I know it's your book, but even in Calgary on the weekend, it was so cool to see the tailgates and see the rider fans mixing and eating and hanging out together with the green. It was like they call it the Christmas game, and it really is a Christmas game because they just. They milk it. It's unlike the old days when I don't think the Calgary St. Peter fans and Rider fans would be together. There were some pretty ugly moments back in the day up in that corner. It was a big fight one year. And what year was that? Oh nine. I don't recall. Oh, yeah, but I, I remember one year. Was, but anyway, we're. I am babbling. So, yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I, my can bucket, I say I'm worried about the Riders and Lions a little bit? I somehow. Why? I don't know why. You're worried about staying awake into the third yeah, quarter? Yeah, I don't know why. I'm just a little concerned about this Lions. Have you heard of uh, Mike Riley isn't playing in case you're not oh, aware is it? Of But Brandon Bridge is there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm just, I just, I don't know. For some reason, I just seem a little more concerned about. And I, there's a, which game was it? I had no, they're going to Montreal. I said no chance they'd have losing. And I just, I don't know what it is. Something that just. And then the pit of my stomach makes me feel a little concerned about this game, and I'm just... When the Riders went you know, to BC after beating them at home, I wrote a column saying, hmm, I don't know, I think this could be one of those games that the Riders are in trouble, and they ended up winning I quite know, handily. and I could be... I, the Riders have done a good job under Craig Dickinson of beating the yeah. teams they should beat, by and large. You look at the Week 2 loss to 
in Ottawa, 44-41. But the week before, Ottawa had won in Calgary. So you didn't really look at that and thinking that's a and thought didn't really look at that and think that's a team that they shouldn't lose to because they just won in Calgary. Yeah. But by and large, they've taken the free space, taken advantage of the of the free spaces in the schedule, and they've shown an ability to do that. So I'm not especially concerned about uh, what might happen on Friday. But my predictions are are. Uh, customarily bad so maybe yeah. that's not a good omen but i think they'll squash them like i did to that poor bug and i so. want to say on the record the washington nationals are not the old expos thank you i do not feel a lot of affinity for them i feel none I it feel reminds me of, of crying and being upset yes and i'm looking going you know some wonderful good for the washington fans it's not doing anything for my expos heart and i know it's not i just think that the Expos are dead, long and gone, and the Washington Nationals came from their ashes. And I, 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 but I can still wear the hat because I wear it all the time. But suppose anyway. that you've 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 dated somebody and really thought a lot of them, and they they ended up marrying somebody else. Would you really enjoy going to the wedding? No, <laughs> that's the way I feel about Washington. That's the way I felt when the Winnipeg Jets moved to, to Phoenix. I it drove me nuts to even think of the phoenix slash arizona coyotes but the jets were ended up coming back as the atlanta thrashers and, and that was a great day in my life but i don't look at the coyotes as an extension of the winnipeg jets nor do i look at the washington cap washington nationals at... as an extension of the expos i realize the lineage is there yeah but it's just it reminds me of the absolute heartbreak of the expos leaving montreal and yeah. uh so the Expos to me will always be Gary Carter and Steve Rogers and Alice Valentine and Tim Raines and Andre Barrage and uh, Rusty Staub and even Terry Humphrey, my first favorite Expo player, oh, Pedro, former catcher. Pedro so, Martinez. Yes, but Tim I'm still Raines. cheering for them because yeah. that, that's uh, it's a really cool. I story. have to admit, and I'm I'm a sports guy. The baseball playoffs haven't captured me this year. I'm probably missing some great games. I just. I don't seem to be as interested as I have in the past. Maybe the World well, Series will catch me up. We're kind of busy with this football, with football team, team that wears yeah, green. Yes, so. so sign us off in grand style, Murray, All with, right, uh, once with, again. Uh, by reciting this flawlessly and with wonderful elocution. Ooh, if you, pressure's on. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or myself at Murray LP and uh, track how I'm doing on Great Cup Fit Up. Day and, uh, 62 Day today. 62. I'm hoping to make today day one. <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, good luck to me as I try to get to day one. And you will. Uh, I'd like to thank as well. Uh, we don't give Mark enough credit. Our producer a technical wizard, Mark Melnichuk, for making this happen. Once we, once we finish yakking, which we promise to do, Mark, shortly, uh, Mark gets to edit all of this and put the put make the images correlate or correspond with the who's talking. So, well, what talent he has to work with? Uh, not very much. So, Mark, thank you so much for <laughs> propping us up all these uh, uh, through seventy two podcasts. We'll do seventy three next week. If you'll have us uh, for Murray McCormick and for my book. Uh, thank you so much for what's being the title again a uh, hundred things rough riders should, fans should know and do before they die so uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week when the shameless flogging of a certain publication will resume take care and have a great day